from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing the September the 11th, 2011. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3SXR. Hello, Robert. Hello, listeners. Welcome back, Brian, with a new call sign. Glad to be here with SXR. It was HXR. So today's September the 11th, listeners. Uh, it's a decade since a monumental historical uh, event, the anniversary of. But uh, before we get into all the news for this coming week, on a brighter, happier note, We've got a, uh, a monumental, world-changing event for a couple of uh, Victorian amateurs. And Rob was telling me about it before the news this morning. Rob, you caught up with the uh, lucky couple. I did indeed. Here we go. This is Robert, VK3DN. And I'm currently with Emily, VK3FEGL, and Matthew, VK3EVL. Morning, Matthew. Morning. Good morning. Guys, how long have you known each other? You're a, you're a couple, yeah? We are. We are indeed. Uh Roughly eight and a half years uh, that we've uh, put up with each other and uh, and enjoyed each other's company. And you're both licensed. Uh, how long have you had your license, Emily? I first got my foundation license uh, about a year and a half ago, and I'm in amongst planning a wedding. I've just done my standard exam, um, and I hope to do my advance just after the wedding. And you've done your standard exam, and what was the result? I did pass it, just, but I passed it. Congratulations. And Matthew, how long have you had your licence? I've had my licence now for just under two years. You guys, uh, as a couple, are getting married next weekend, is that right? That's right, yep. Uh, Next Saturday, around three o'clock in the afternoon. It wouldn't be the first time that a couple of radio amateurs have got married, but as I understand it, this is likely to be the first time in Australia, at least, that the wedding will be broadcast live via ATV, amateur television. Uh, that's right. We've done a little bit of research into it and, and haven't uh, been able to find anything similar. But uh, you never know. There may be somebody that's done it out there before. Uh, that, that's where we've gotten to. And we're, we're, we're sort of, uh, I guess, pioneering uh, amateur television, something new. News in history for amateur TV. Definitely. It's something that started as a bit of a joke on drive time on air and um, has turned into a bit of a first, possibly, um, and a good bit of fun. This is, of course, going to be a private wedding in a private location. Um, but for amateurs out there who would like to join you on your uh, wedding day and watch you guys getting married, where and how can they do that, Matthew? If you're in Melbourne, uh, you can watch the broadcast uh, live on the VK3 RTV repeater. Uh, and for those outside of Melbourne, you can watch uh, the broadcast using the BATC website. And Emily, I hear there is also going to be a guest book. Yeah, definitely. We're going to be setting up a guest book and a link to that will be on the EMDRC website, uh, which is www.emdrc.com.au, as well as a, a link to the guest book. There'll also be full details of how you can view the ATV broadcast and how to find it on the web. Well, that's fantastic. And I wish you and all the listeners too, I'm sure, wish you all the very best for your wedding day next weekend. And now I'm going to catch up with Ralph, VK3 Lima Lima, who's looking after the technical side of uh, the uh, operation next weekend. Thanks, Robert. Next Saturday, we'll be running three cameras, a combination of some domestic and professional equipment into a multi-channel vision mixer and titler. At this point, we'll be using composite or analogue video, 
but then because of the remoteness of the wedding location will digitise and stream the signal over a commercial wireless data service on 850 MHz right into the shack of Peter VK3BFG in Wonturner South who will re-encode the data stream to DVBS and retransmit on 1.25 GHz in the 23 cm band that is the uplink to the Melbourne digital ATV repeater VK3RTV on Mount Dandenong. From here, viewers with appropriately adjusted TV sets or set-top boxes all over Melbourne will be able to tune in and watch the wedding live on VK3 RTV1 in full colour and with perfect clarity. So, to recap, if you're in Melbourne and have amateur TV receive capabilities, you'll be able to witness this event live from just before 3pm Melbourne time on Saturday the 17th of September. And even if you're out of town, you can still catch all the action streamed live on the internet. All the details can be found at www.emdrc.com.au And a big thanks to the EMDRC, members of the Melbourne ATV community, and of course Emily and Matthew for allowing us to be a part of their special day. And there we go. That was um, Ralph L, uh, 3LL and uh, Matt and Emily. Good luck to them. Good luck for next weekend at the uh, at their wedding. I'm sure that there'll be plenty of people around the world tuned in and watching on the BATC website. I believe the story has actually gone international and the guys at Amateur Radio Newsline have picked it up as well. So not just the uh, the wedding party, not just the uh, guests on the day, not just uh, VK3, not just Australian amateurs, but... We'll see what the uh, hit count gets to next week. Fantastic. Okay. Let's get into the news. Take your handheld to work day. Friday the 23rd of September is take your handheld to work day or school day. Although it's a South African incentive, why not try it here? Demonstrate amateur radio to your friends and colleagues at morning tea, lunchtime, or if you're at school, before school or after, or during breaks. Take along a few brochures. Well, that'll be the calling CQ brochure and hand them out as you talk on the air. Or if you're retired, then get on the air on the local repeater and talk to the radio amateurs who are demonstrating amateur radio at their work or school. Now to hams across Australia, starting with VK0. VK0 is still on air from Macquarie Island. Kevin, VK0KEV, has been active on 20 metres using sideband around 0700 to 0800 Zulu. 80 metres around 1000 Zulu and 40 metres around 1100 Zulu. QSL via JE1LET. And in VK2 in Lismore, the Samaland Amateur Advanced Course, it's on the 8th and 9th and the 15th and 16th of October. Anyone wishing to upgrade or go for a higher licence, then contact Duncan, VK2DLR. His email address, draymont at bigpond.com. And the Summerland Foundation course. Well, that'll be on the 30th and 31st of October. The next Foundation weekend course, yes, it's planned. So contact again, Duncan, VK2DLR, to book in for either the Foundation or the Standard and Advanced course. And now to VK3, Amateur Radio Victoria Centenary. The 100th anniversary of what began in November 1911 as the Amateur Wireless Society of Victoria quickly changing to the Wireless Institute of Victoria, and today is known as Amateur Radio Victoria. Its members hope all radio amateurs will join in the celebration. Part of the activity includes an operating award. 
During the celebratory period, which began August 1 and rolls around till November 30, contact with members gains two points. A bonus 10 points is available by working VK3WI during the Oceania DX phone contest October 1st and 2nd. Bonus points are also available for contacts with a nominated VK100ARV special call sign to be rostered by members throughout November. And don't forget portable operations. A total of five so far have enrolled for the special weekend of activation in November for the Keith Rogert Memorial National Parks Award. The weekend has been extended to cover Friday, Saturday and Sunday, November 18th to 20th. Just another part of Amateur Radio Victoria centenary celebrations. To enrol, contact Tony Hambling, VK3, VTH at amateurradio.com.au. VK7, NWT ATV Group's next meeting is on the 8th of October at the QTH of Jim, VK7JH, Stourport. This meeting promises to be a very interesting one, as the guest speaker will be Peter, VK7 India Yankee, who is currently associated with shipping in Bass Strait, and he intends to provide some interesting material, including work with the Bass Strait oil rigs. At VK7AX, he's the president of the NWT ATV Group. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service, originating from VK1 WIA. What use is an F-call? Firstly, I should thank all those F-calls that contributed to the callback last week. If you know of any F-calls that are not listening to the broadcast, tell them about it and who knows what might happen. When I started this hobby, I did what I'm beginning to suspect many newcomers to the field did. I asked around what things to do and who to talk to, and then I made my first purchases. I've now spent some of my hard-earned money and to date I'm very happy about what I bought, but along the way I learned a few things that I think might be helpful. My biggest frustration in going out to get my kit was this phenomenon that seemed to plague me wherever I went. Why can I not just buy a standard kit with radio, power supply and an antenna? All in one box, all from one supplier, all shipped to my door point and click style. My limited experience to date tells me that you can in fact do that. It's called a handheld all-in-one transceiver and it's all that. Of course, there are trade-offs such as transmit power, battery life, band availability, user interface, etc. I'm extremely familiar with the IT industry. The answer to any given question asked by any given person is always, it depends. I've learnt that amateur radio is exactly the same and as an aside I suspect it's true for many more fields. Back to buying a kit, why not all in one and why is this so hard? Well now you know the answer. It depends. It depends on many things. Where you're going to install it, how you're going to use it, how much space you have, how much money, whom you can buy the gear from, etc, etc. So my observation today is that for every ham there's a solution, and for every solution there's an alternative, or six. You can buy your gear brand new, like I did, or you can buy it second or third hand. Perhaps you were given a set. In the end, it doesn't matter what you have when you get started, just that you actually do that, get started. I'm sure that as I learn more, I'll know more and be able to reflect on the choices I've made to date. But in the end, it's up to you to get started. Go forth and transmit. I'm Ono, VK6, Fox Lima Alpha Bravo. And now for Amateur Radio, home of the good guys. Good guys this week are the members of the Yasmi Foundation. 
Ethiopia came back on the air May 30th, 2011, with the reopening of the Ethiopian Amateur Radio Society station, ET3 Alpha Alpha. The board of directors of the Yasmi Foundation became aware that 25 club members were scheduled to take the amateur radio licence examination in late July, and that the fee for taking the exam was about one month's salary in Ethiopia. Accordingly, the board voted unanimously in favour of a grant to cover one half of the examination fees for all 25 participants. The remaining one half having previously been committed by the Radio Society of Great Britain. The Yasmi Foundation is a not-for-profit corporation organised to conduct scientific and educational projects related to amateur radio. International news with thanks to the RSGB. Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. FCC issues experimental space licence for 2 metre and 70 centimetre operations. The FCC has issued a new experimental licence with the call letters WF2XSP to one James Cutler to operate in 144 to 146 MHz and 437 to 439 MHz spectrum. This for testing an image processing algorithm that will be used on a future space flight mobile low Earth orbit operations ranging from 450 to 820 kilometres in altitude. The FCC announcement made no other reference to the nature of Cutler's experiments nor why he requested to do so in the amateur 2 metre and 70 centimetre bands. QRZ.com lists six radio amateurs by the names of James Cutler, but it's unknown if any of them are the same James Cutler who has obtained the experimental licence from the FCC. And as it turns out, LED lighting can cause radio interference. Philo DL9KCE writes on the IARU Region 1 site of the problems LED lighting can cause. More and more LED lights are entering the market and are being used by radio amateurs and their neighbours. There is a limit to the maximum disturbance voltage on the mains port defined in EN55015, which is equivalent to the protection of EN55022. However, it's not fully implemented within the EU due to a transitional period of the standard. As a consequence, European hams can observe some LED lights causing only a little trouble. Others, however, cause a great amount of harmful interference due to mainline radiation. As worst case, some LED lights which could be as far as 40 to 60 dB over the limit on some frequencies. We suggest VK hams monitor the development and make their own measurements, if feasible, and report to the WIA. Bondi Beach one week, outer space the next. Kiwisat taking New Zealand into space. Fourth year honour students and a master's student from the School of Engineering and Advanced Technology at the Albany campus have been awarded a $7,500 grant from the New Zealand Amateur Association of Radio Transmitters, Radio Science Education Trust, to develop the software. The microsatellite is the size of a basketball and will be launched from a Russian rocket in the Northern Hemisphere when the project is finished. KiwiSat is being designed and built by a team of volunteers from New Zealand radio amateurs supported by Massey and various corporate sponsors. It'll connect with amateur radio stations globally and will carry out experimental work in satellite attitude determination and control, that's ADAC, a low-cost control system that works through interaction with the Earth's magnetic field to position the satellite at a specific attitude. Still no word on the completion and launch dates. 
a separate frequency allocation for BPL? The IARU Region 1 EMC Working Group discussed BPL at its meeting in Sun City, August 13th, and say there are plans to use and maybe even allocate the frequency range of 30 to 80 MHz to BPL for several reasons. One is that the frequency range is not used as intensively and the amount of possible interference is expected to be less. Their recommendation to support a separate frequency allocation for BPL equipment. In further, broadband by Powerline Networking Technology, aka, we know it has a reputation for causing widespread interference to radio reception, but now there are plans to install them at sea. London-based company Gente Limited has announced BPL networking technology devices for use on vessels plying the seven seas. Further details at www.gentay.co.uk. Special event and on-air contest column, Dateline 2011. On October the 22nd, it's the WIA Jack Files Contest. November the 26th to 27th, the WIA Spring VHF UHF Field Day. And in 2012, in January, the VK Ross Hull Memorial VHF UHF Contest. March the 17th to the 18th, the VK John Moyle Memorial National Field Day. June Long Weekend, VK Shires Contest. And July and the first full weekend, the NZART Memorial Contest. And your Remembrance Day logs, if you haven't already... There are about five days to go for you to submit your RD contest log to the contest organiser, Peter Harding, VK4OD, before last mail on Friday 16th. Logs should be submitted in the formats outlined in the rules and can be either by electronic mail or postal mail. Snail mail logs are to be sent to RD Contest Manager and endorse the front of the envelope Remembrance Day Contest. The addresses for sending your logs to Peter Harding are in the text edition of this week's news. International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend in VK7. While it might be a bit late, the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend concluded with successful operations at Devonport, with Winston VK7EM and Scott VK7NWT, who activated the Mersey Bluff Lighthouse. Eric VK7NFI, Dick VK7DIK and Wayne VK7NET did the usual at Wynyard with the Table Cape Lighthouse. The Wynyard Municipal Council allowed access to the lighthouse building to allow the tying off of antennas to the top handrails of the lighthouse. Dion, VK7DB, he did a first-time activation of the Sandy Cape Lighthouse on the rugged west coast. Getting to this location proved relatively easy despite the poor weather conditions prior to the event. The only access is via about 20 kilometres of beach tracks and a few river crossings. Propagation conditions were good for all and it proved to be a successful event with all looking towards and looking forward to next year's event. Special event stations DX, Beacon and Net Advice. The 22nd Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, Chogham, will be held in Perth, VK6, October 28th, 29th and 30th. And to mark the occasion, VI6 Chogham will be on the air from the Peter Hughes Scout Communications Centre in East Cannington across as many modes and bands as possible. A number of special event stations will be on air to mark the anniversary of the terrorist attack on the Twin Towers of the World Trade Centre in New York. In remembrance of those who died from the attacks that occurred on September 11, 2001, several stations are planned. These include Pentagon Amateur Radio Club, K4AF, Blair Amateur Radio Society, W3PN, Northeast Wireless Radio Club, 
N2WC, Kings County Repeater Association, KC2RA, Symbol Technologies Amateur Radio Club, W2SBL. Many will cover various aspects of the disaster and will have QSL cards available. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Wireless weather. Stanford physicists probing the sun's deep interior have successfully predicted the emergence of sunspots on the surface a full two days before they appear, providing the first early warning of the violent solar storms that can endanger astronauts in space, disrupt electric power grids on Earth and plunge cities into darkness. SFGay.com say solar physicist David Hathaway at NASA's Marshall Space Center called the development an important result. It's long been our hope to see the storms with sunspots before they show up, Hathaway said. The experiments that led to the announcement in the journal Science were conducted by Strathos Ilodinus, a graduate student in physics at Stanford and his colleagues. Analyzing signals from a satellite peering at the sun, they detected the acoustic signs of four electromagnetic storms that were being generated as turbulence 40,000 miles deep in what Ilodinus calls the roaring ocean of the sun's interior. The system will have to be refined and proven, the scientists cautioned. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. Broadcast monitoring SWL and scanner news. In the UK, Isle of Wight, Aldi station Angel FM had their transmitter go off the air due to bad weather. To the rescue? Well, none other than Rolling Stones guitarist Keith Richards, who sent Angel Radio a cheque for approximately $4,800 to get the Angel flying again. Angel Radio only broadcasts music made before 1969 and promises snap, crackle, but no pop. And its slogan is Radio by Older People for Older People. It's believed that Richards, who's aged 67, tunes in regularly. Intruder Watch Enforcement Zone. Hams and Two Nation PTT successful in removing Kodar from the 24 MHz band. The Kodar high-frequency radar operating on 24920 to 25080 kHz from northern Italy has gone off the air. This thanks to a concerted effort by individual hams and members of various European Intruder Watch operations. A release by IARU Region 1 Intruder Watch specifically singles out DJ9KR, G4BOH and 9A5W for their assistance. It also thanks the British telecommunications regulator Ofcom and the German PTT for their direction-finding assistance and other help. Staying in Italy, Italian repeaters in our amateur satellite segment. Edition 58 of the IARU Region 1 VHF UHF UW newsletter publishes the notes from the IARU Region 1 conference and we see that there are a number of Italian repeaters operating in the amateur satellite service segment. These are causing interference to the uplinks and downlinks of amateur radio satellites and D-Star repeaters are the prevalent offenders. IARU Region 1 stresses the importance of the satellite service and band plans. Also in case of introduction of new modes, it is recommended to disconnect repeaters and nodes from the international D-Star network if these are operated in contradiction to the IARU Region 1 band plans. Dutch authorities get tough with radio pirates. Radio Communications Agency Netherlands will soon launch a new, tougher policy to deal with radio pirate stations. 
The illegal broadcasters may soon have a fine of €2,500 imposed on them as soon as half an hour after they receive a warning letter. This, the agency's latest move in a cat-and-mouse game with the pirates. There have already been 1,600 warnings this year, and 60 people have been fined. The radio pirates have responded by adapting their methods. They are now increasingly using mobile stations, so after receiving a warning letter, they simply move to a different place to broadcast. The collapsible masts used for the broadcasts are sometimes more than 40 metres high. And the Q News workbench, the Nuts and Volts Report. Measure twice and cut once. A new repeater network is in operation from Brisbane's Mount Coother. VK4RBQ, 146.950 MHz and a 91.5 Hz tone is needed. Well, that repeater is working well and is now rebroadcasting both the WIA National News and the local Q News. And that's assembled this week by Peter Harding, VK4OD. The newscaster on relay from VK4RGC Springbrook. The 146.950 repeater is linked to the Gold Coast 146.700 MHz repeater on a full-time basis and Pete VK4BT is sitting ready for your callbacks. Andrew Chapman VK4JV says that there's also a 70cm repeater on site. This is 438.400 MHz. Again, it needs the 91.5 Hz tone for access. It's a standalone and is in dual analog mode. That's APCO P25. The P25 NAC is 293 for digital use. The third issue of CQ Egypt Amateur Radio magazine is available free on the web. One of the foremost goals of the Egyptian Amateur Radio Society, Erised, is providing educational programs and materials to promote amateur radio and develop the scientific and technical skills of the Egyptian and Arab youth. In this context, Erised is currently issuing online magazines focused on simplifying science and technology to youth in general and more particularly in areas related to amateur radio and satellites. The magazine articles are a mix of English and Arabic. And you can get the links in the text edition of this news service on the WIA website. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ARDF. And remember, September 23rd to the 28th is the Region 3 ARDF Championship in Bendigo. r3.ardf.org.au for information. And we'll have more on that next week on this broadcast. Staying with ARDF, Happy Feet has an ice day. The Emperor Penguin, affectionately known as Happy Feet, has been released into the Southern Ocean some 700 kilometres south of New Zealand to begin the long swim home to Antarctica. The Penguin's 2,000-kilometre trip began Father's Day as he slid down a specially designed ramp from a research ship. He's been fitted with a transmitter that will allow zoologists and the general public to track his whereabouts. Happy Feet has been fitted with a SirTrack KiwiSat 202 satellite transmitter which will transmit signals to satellites twice a day for three hours. Transmissions from KiwiSat 202 will allow monitoring Happy Feet's position as he travels. Each new position will be plotted on a map so we can all follow his progress. It's not known which direction Happy Feet will travel in, hopefully back to his home in Antarctica, which makes this all the more fascinating and such a rare opportunity to learn about the movements of such an amazing animal. Happy Feet spent six months at Wellington Zoo after washing up on a New Zealand beach suffering from stomach ailments that had him left near death.
After surgery, the zoo nursed him back to health with fish milkshakes. The three-and-a-half-year-old bird, who has become an international celebrity, will spawn a book and documentary about his ordeal. You can find more information at www.nzemperor.com. Worldwide, special interest groups ATV, where every pixel tells a story. The last US-based VOA station video. A fascinating video about the last Voice of America transmitter still operational from the continental United States is now available for viewing online. The video not only details the services provided by the VOA transmitter site, but also pays respect to the work of the 16 engineers at the Greenville, North Carolina facility that keep the 60-year-old transmitter operational and on the air. You can see the University of North Carolina produced video online at tinyurl.com slash VOAUSANC. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. AO51 may soon be lost. The ageing AMSAT Oscar AO51 appears to be a dying bird. This according to control station Mark Hammond, N8MH, reporting via the AMSAT News Service weekly letter. Amateur Radio Newsline's Don Carlson, KQ6FM tells us that since the failure of the first cell on the six-cell battery, ground controllers have been limited to simple commands for basic configurations. However, features such as telemetry collection and the bulletin board are not functional at this time, and our ground stations have discovered there is a second cell on the battery showing problems. The control team thinks that the battery will be the next cell to go. If that happens, the probable result, that their limited manual mode of operation probably will no longer be an option, and the mission might be considered over. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Internet, the HAMS domain. Telstra has commenced providing its enterprise, government and wholesale customers with Internet Protocol version 6 connectivity. IPv6 is the next generation of internet addresses, offering new, longer IP addresses to overcome the impending shortage of current IPv4 addresses globally. Okay, Brian, I think we've just about come to the end of this news broadcast, but before we do, let's have a quick look at the social scene for 2011. September the 16th, the 18th, in VK4, the NQ Amateur Radio Convention date has been set for Townsville. September 23rd to 28th is the Region 3 ARDF Championship in Bendigo, VK3. Website r3.ardf.org.au for information. And from September the 30th to the October the 2nd in VK4, the Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club AGM at Camp Fairbarn. Contact the Secretary Gordon, vk4kil at wia.org.au. October 23rd, VK3 Hamvention Ballarat on the Sunday. And on November the 20th, the VK5 Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Hamfest at the Goodwood Community Centre Rosa Street Goodwood at 0930. Visit their website www.ahars.com.au for additional contact details. And if you've got something going on that we haven't talked about this week, make sure you email it to the national news at waa.org.au and we'll get into next week's. Upload your audio at the website. Okay, well, that's it. We'll all be tuning in, I'm sure, to have a look at this uh, wedding next Saturday. Uh, very first for Amateur Radio having ATV broadcasting a wedding live. So uh, all the best for uh, Emily and Matt if you're listening to this uh, news broadcast. As always, until next week, WAA News, we've reported and you decide. We've reported... You decide.